Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What is up, Rangers fans and hockey fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in for this latest episode of Rangers Review. Episode 37 on the day. We are a week late. We meant to record last week, but unfortunately, especially my schedule, I had a lot of things coming up. I had you know family wedding going on. It was also Halloween weekend. So unfortunately, we were not able to record for uh, the second week, at least according to our schedule. So we'll be recapping week two and week three, even though we really only missed two more games we went into uh uh, finishing last episode talking about the upcoming three games the rangers only played five because they've had some days in between so luckily we didn't miss too much so we're going to recap all those we're going to talk about the awesome news what of course adam fox i'm really really excited to get into i'm sure steven is as well and everyone that's first chiming in through the live stream if you're watching this live or on replay or listening to this wherever you get your podcast thank you so much guys i already see a donation in here so i would like to address it quick before we get on to everything else and of course folks remember we will take questions towards the end of the show as always if you guys are following along on youtube but david thank you so much for the 20 dollars donation that means a lot to not get a chance to uh, buy you a beer at the capitals disaster enjoy one on me oh thank you so much for that i appreciate that david david was the um was a great gentleman that actually noticed me when we when i was at the game for the first game of the year so i appreciate that very much so david i hope you are doing well and your family thank you so much for that but hello to everybody for chiming in folks a lot to discuss a lot of positivity i would say we'll probably get into some negativity like we always do but we're going to try to stay high hopes knowing what transpired yesterday for the rangers at the time being live here but steven how are you doing today my friend how's everything been with you since last time we talked uh, good. Since the last time we talked, I flew to the Netherlands to visit my mom, who co- completed her chemo. Uh, met my five-month-old niece for the first time. Saw my grandma. Saw my dad. So, was able to uh, get all the family in in, a, in just a small weekend. Um, yeah, and then came back. Uh, watched the Rangers, unfortunately, lose to the Flames. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But you know, uh, the Rangers are on a on a nice little streak uh, right now. Um, so, I think what are they? Six, six, two, and one. Six, two, and one. And speaking of six, two, and one, I think it's appropriate to throw out some fun stats I throw at you. I know we're not at ten games yet, but when I was looking at the record for the Rangers, I was saying to myself, you know, they haven't had a start to a season like this in a little bit now. And actually, if you're looking at the numbers in particular, my double check from what I originally told you, the Rangers, you know, when it comes to both the amount of points they've had through nine games, when it talks about the amount of wins. They've had quite a bit, but I'm going to touch on, going to go look for them right here. Okay. So, uh, what I originally told Steven, I think it was yesterday, was that the Rangers have six wins in their first nine games to start a season since the 2016 2017 year and have seven out of their nine first games with a point since 15 16. So, it's been a while for the Rangers. And to add on further, the Rangers haven't had at least 13 points through their first nine games since over a decade ago, back in the 2009-2010 season. So clearly, and trust me, the Rangers have not been playing you know, stellar hockey by any means. There's been a lot of inconsistencies. There's been some pretty bad periods that we've noticed, especially in their latest game against Seattle that we will be getting into shortly. 
But no less, you can tell that Gerard Gallant is clearly bringing this team, giving them a structure that's really helping them out, along with some fantastic goaltending that cannot be, uh, you know, overlooked by any stretch of the imagination of what Igor Shostorkin has done. So, really, just let's dive in before we get into the game. So, we have to talk about the breaking news that happened yesterday uh, that we would have touched on as it was happening live, but it really just wasn't an option for us at the time. So, we're going to talk about it now, given that we were playing a record today. And that is, yes, Adam Fox. Adam Fox looks like he's not leaving the New York Rangers anytime soon. And what a beautiful contract this is. My goodness gracious. Talk about taking, you know, a hometown discount to a certain extent. I was under the belief that the Rangers wouldn't really have much of a problem with Fox. I'm like, this guy got traded not once but twice to basically ultimately become a New York Ranger. He always wanted to be here. He's been thriving. Norris winner from this past year. Signs a seven-year deal at under $10 million per year. That is a slam dunk. This is literally the Seth Jones contract to put it in context. And he's only going to be 30 years of age when this deal is done. So I couldn't be happier. I think this is exactly what the Rangers would be hoping for. Apparently reports indicate that Chris Drury had a fist pump, like at leaving the room probably after his discussion with Adam Fox. So you can tell that he's hyped up rightfully so. So Steven, what was your initial reaction to this news? No one expected it. And man, I this could not have been more surprising yet exciting all at the same time. Um, yeah, 9.5 million for the best defenseman in the league. Steel. Who's only 23? Yep. Now, uh, for seven years, um, good contract for the Rangers. Um, I'm pretty sure his agents may have wanted a, a shorter deal so he can get another, uh, big payday, but signing him for seven years takes him to 30, uh, and he can get his second big payday at the age of 30. So this contract is perfect. Uh, we've seen over the last few decades that the Rangers always commit to large sums of money for players who are either, either in their 30s or a year away from, from hitting that mark. So getting a player at this age who's worth $9.5 million, let's not forget that, um, it's great for the Rangers to have this value on the team. Um, I honestly, I expected it to be at least $9 million, maybe a little more depending on him. Uh, depending on his negotiation and the length of the contract, I think if, if it was an eight-year deal, it probably would have been ten million. Um, but nine point five is the exact same cap hit Charlie McAvoy has. Um, it's slightly higher than Kill McCarr, um, and those are the two main comparables for me when I'm when I'm talking about Adam Fox. Everyone's talking about Seth Jones, but Seth Jones is I think thirty. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was saying in the comparable no. in the sense of how common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I wasn't talking about you, but oh, yeah, online I've seen a lot of people say, oh, he makes as much as Seth Jones and Zach Kerensky, and I don't care. For me, the comparables are Kale McCarr and Charlie McAvoy because those three will battle for the Norris Trophy for the next decade. Um, and now they're all signed long-term uh, for $9 million plus a year. Um, good deal for Fox. I'm pretty sure. That, I, I don't know if they announced any any no move clauses yet, but I checked cap friendly shortly before we went yeah. live here, and I've not seen anything yet. Not that it really matters in terms of trading him, but I'm always interested because no move clauses slightly impact the negotiations. You know, if a player is giving a no, a no move clause, it it lowers the cap hit a little bit. So, for the way I calculate contracts, I'm I'm still interested in knowing. Um, but yeah, good deal for the Rangers. Um, least surprising extension, I think, of the year. Um, and funny thing, Colin Stevenson, who writes for Newsday, <laughs> had a, uh, yesterday tweeted, um, 
What did he tweet? Oh, yeah, Adam Fox. This was after the extension was announced. Yes. He tweets, Adam Fox and Chris Drury going into a room for a one-on-one being told to, to, to wait here. And everyone was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Is he going to be named captain or whatever? And it turns out that Colin Stevenson is using uh, a phone that was spotty with the connection. So the tweets he was sending in the Twitter app weren't going through until after the trade was announced so when in uh, reality that discussion was probably about the extension he, to begin it was about the extension <laughs> yeah yes. so, uh, but yeah uh, him and molly walker had uh had some fun about it because uh someone uh re- responded with uh a screenshot and and highlighted the twitter for android bit yeah on the, <laughs> in the tweet. so yeah but you know uh yeah 9.5 million super happy um probably still underpaid absolutely um, underpaid when you look at what his value would be right now should yeah. he be made available it's, uh, it's and you know what good. the way he's played so far i'm gonna go out and say he's gonna win another norris this year my god he looks better than last year already he I does hard to say that he does he leads all defensemen in points since the start of last season um and but it's not just points with him, you know, and we know this is well, yeah. Fans. Let's keep that in mind. I don't look at Adam Fox as yeah. someone that's supposed to be this con- continued point getter. It's about what yes. he brings on both ends. Of course. And we as Ranger fans know this, but now the rest of the league is starting to, to take notice, you know, how Fox is stellar in his own zone. And I was talking to someone yesterday about Fox and how deceptive he is with his head, you know. Ridiculous. He, it really he, is. He can he can he has has fakes where just by looking a certain way, he dupes his opponents into hmm. into going one way and he's going another way. And he in that regard, he reminds me so much of Pavel Datsuk because Datsuk used to do that all the time. Oh, Ooh, a that's forward, a great comp. I haven't I haven't thought about Datsuk yeah. in years now, but he's yeah, he's a forward, of course. But but Adam Fox is doing the same thing Pavel Datsuk used to do. Pavel Datsuk was was messing with players just it's by magician like. Sorry? It's magician-like. Yes. Like the body language, the way you plant your feet, the way you move your head, it all plays into what an opponent thinks your next move is going to be. And Adam Fox is great at misleading his opponents. Yeah, he he absolutely is. I mean, look at what he just did. Um, I, I know I'll be breaking out in a second how he performed in Seattle, but you know there are numerous games already this season where if it wasn't for either Igor Shosturkin or Adam Fox, you know, this team, where would they be? I don't think that they would be nearly in the spot that they currently are in. But thankfully, yeah. Adam Fox is, you know, just two years ago, and he said it himself in his presser how he was just hoping to crack the roster, man. And it, look, it, all t- it took his sophomore year to win the Norris Trophy. That should not be denounced at all. He's on pace to be another Norris yeah. winner, hopefully again this year and beyond. And, and, and the thing is, you know, let's not forget, Adam Fox was drafted 66 overall. He was a third-round pick. And the reason he was a third-round pick is because of his size. Simple. His, I will say, I, I will just counter you, it was definitely his size, but he also needed those years in Harvard. I think that really yeah. benefited him. Exactly. But making the jump from college to the NHL is a pretty big jump. And I think as fans, we often underestimate how big that jump is and the fact that Adam Fox does it without a game in the AHL and then plays at the level he played at. But Kill yeah. McCarr as well. Kill McCarr is a year younger and he made the jump and won uh, the Calder Trophy. And it's just, it's unbelievable what these young kids are doing. The three of McCarr, Fox, and McAvoy are going to be so much fun to, to watch for the next decade. 
Right. It feels it feels like this crop of young defensemen just continue to take new steps in their game. And I don't know if this is something that maybe recency bias is connecting me with as a younger hockey fan. But from your point of view, how would you evaluate defensemen, say, from the early 2000s to adapting in the 2010s to now? It really does feel like the speed games gain faster and they're just bringing a new element where – Fox is a prime example, and I know he's a little bit more of an anomaly given the fact that, you know, I think we agree he's the best defenseman in the game. But to mm-hmm. have such an offensive impact with ever, with his hockey awareness, but to be so responsible in his own zone, I just feel there's so much great young defensemen out there that are currently in the league or ones that are on the come up with some great organizations as a prospect that, yeah. you know, a decade ago we didn't see to this caliber. Yeah, but I, th- I think it's just it's just it happens every every couple of generations, you know. Yeah. Um, and and before I go into this, can we just can we just be thankful that for once one of these generational talents is a ranger and not a penguin or a capital or a I know. I talk for about once. homegrown talent. You know, we yeah. he is homegrown talent. He demanded that he stay homegrown. <laughs> so, uh, but but looking at the game, you know, you have certain. Uh, moments in time where the NHL goes through a change. Um, the first big change, of course, was 1942, when the league went back to six teams, stayed like that for 25 years. And then you had the expansion in 1967. And with that expansion also came the draft in the way as we know it now, whereas before it was sort of like a, 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 a farm team system where players would be on a on a team's list before they go into the draft so it was more it was more like the european model in a way uh but 1967 you get the expansion you get six more teams you get the draft and that really opened up the game and then the next time it really opened up was the early 90s you had a couple of players from uh czechoslovakia russia uh um and you know who who broke away from their countries to play in the nhl you had a couple of Finns and a couple of swedes but ni- the early 90s is when it really opened up. You know, Soviet Union fell apart, Czech- Czech- Czechoslovakia split up, and players were free to go wherever they wanted to go. So you had this influx of players. And with that influx of players, you got a lot more variety in play styles, and it was a lot harder for coaches to, to anticipate. So that was that was uh, the, the, the next big change. And I think the last five, six years, and ironically, with two more expansions uh, with Vegas and Seattle, you see this new wave of players. We see players from from states or countries where that, that we've never seen before in, in, in the salary cap era. You mm-hmm. know, you have Anze Kopitar, who's one of the best centers in, in, in the world. He's from Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Jones, who's up and coming on the Rangers, he's only the sixth player from the state of Virginia to play in the NHL. You know, you had Matt Zuccarello who put Norway on the map when it comes to hockey. Absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, and, and there, there are more examples like that. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a testament to the game of hockey that they are able to, to expand and that they're able to progress. <laughs> but also the game changes with that. The NCAA the last 15, 20 years has really stepped up. And in my opinion, it's a serious, uh, it's a serious, uh, uh, competitor for major junior hockey. You see a lot more players, especially Americans now, opt for the NCAA instead of going to the CHL. 
And yeah. with that, again, you see this new change. Uh, you know, you see players develop different styles and and players think outside the box. Elias Pettersson is another example of, of a player that does things that you only believe it if you've seen it. I know. Yeah, he's a special talent. Never forget, exactly. that's the Swede the Rangers originally wanted mm-hmm. back in 2017. Yeah, exactly. And then you have your more traditional players that, you know, still make an impact. But look at Conor McDavid. Conor McDavid is stupid. not just the best player on the ice. He's not just the best player on the ice. He's the fastest player. He has the best vision. He's the best stick handler. Everything that makes you a good player, he's the best at. And the fact that Connor McDavid is on pace for a 200-point season, something that hasn't happened since the 80s, I think is also a testament to us witnessing a new era in hockey. And Adam Fox is 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 part of that is part of that movement as well. Yeah, I think I really couldn't agree more. I think what Fox is doing is not just you know paving the way for this new generation of defensemen, but overall, what has made him stand out so much since the beginning is the fact that it's not. <laughs> one style heavily favoring over the other. Like, let's just do an example here and not to get on a tangent or anything, but Tony D'Angelo offensively gifted. Absolutely. He's having a great start to his career with Carolina, but what is his biggest issue always been? It's his defense. Same thing goes with a lot of other defenders that are high scoring in the game today, whether it's, you know, in his prime of Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, you know, in recent years, even though he's dealt with more injuries, these guys, they're a little bit more one-dimensional than what you would like. And while they can provide offense, you need to make sure that they don't get burnt on the other end, where at least it makes up for it in the end. But Fox, his his ability to truly shut down the opposing offense without a problem and to lead the rush offensively, make shot creation happen, get the puck on that, whatever it needs to be, and just overall keeping the puck in the zone. I mean, something that I feel every single game when the Rangers look like that, oh, this is going to be a clear dump out while they're in the offensive zone. He just does so well holding that that line tight on the point and keeping things flowing for some type of offensive production. I've just I've never seen a player like him in my young yeah. life as a hockey fan. He really is something that I'm just kind of left jaw dropping every game. It's like, how much better can he get? But he's continuously proving that, yes, I can continue to get better. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, I noticed people use the, the term two, uh, two-way two defensemen uh, for, for defensemen who are good offensively. But Fox is the perfect example of a two-way He is defenseman. a prime example of what a two-way yes. defenseman means. He is Defensively, he is among the best. <laughs> and then offensively, he's he's better than anyone else. Yep. Maybe maybe Charlie McAvoy is, is is better offensively, but when it comes to the whole package, and these two are very close, I'm envious of the Boston Bruins having Charlie McAvoy. They're very close. They're both from Long Island. Which is I know, like a- I know, <laughs> Long Island. That's that's where we need to continue to get this crop of yeah. you know great yeah. two way talents. Exactly. And, you know, but it's just it's fun to have a player like Adam Fox on your team that actually makes a difference. Even if the Rangers don't win a cup. I witnessed a defenseman for the Rangers winning a Norris trophy. That's a big effing deal. At age 22 or age 23 in his second season, which is something only Bobby Orr has done. (laughs) just to put things into perspective, you know, there's only two players in the world who won a, a Norris trophy in their first two seasons. It's Adam Fox and Bobby Orr. So you, you need a last name with max three letters to win that. 
but yeah, and I, I, look, it's I really don't like comparisons because you know you, you get you get caught up in in comparing the player's legacy and the player's career, but it's really difficult to look at Adam Fox and not make the comparison to Brian Leach. And I know people on the broadcast have done it a couple of times, but man, Adam Fox, I know, I know doing what, what Brian Leach has done is difficult to emulate, but Adam Fox is doing it. You know, he's, it's, it's unbelievable. In regards to um, comparables, and I know this is something that you try not to do, and I agree, and it's something that I don't feel I can have too much of a say in considering I didn't experience the cr- the prime era of not just Leech, but also Sergey Zubov is someone that has been referenced in connection with uh, Adam Fox a lot. So to kind of touch things, to wrap things up on Adam Fox and his extension, this is great news. What would your response be to people seeing a lot of similarities between those two games? I think Fox is better than Zubov defensively and offensively. Yeah, I can see it. I, uh, I think, I, yeah. I think Adam Fox, you know, I, 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 this is why I don't like comparisons, but I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago about Adam Fox and like on defense, you know, he, he's always one step ahead of the play. You know, mm-hmm. you can see in his head, He's processing the game at a pace where he anticipates everything. He has every last, scenario drawn up in his head array. Exactly. And the last defenseman that I saw play like that, that thought the game like like someone playing chess, Nick Lidstrom. Nicholas Lidstrom is probably the best defenseman with Brian Leeds that I've seen play. And Adam Fox, in my opinion, is up there because he – he's he's short and he's not that physical, but he doesn't need to be because nobody ever surprises him. You know, he always knows what's happening. He always knows where the puck is. But what's more important, he knows where the puck's going to be. Yeah. And in, I don't know if there are any football, like soccer fans listening, but in the 90s in Europe, uh, Ajax had a midfielder from Finland, Jari Liedmanen. And he was the same way. He wasn't, he wasn't fast. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't really stand out if you watched highlights or anything, but he could read the game in a way that he was always where the ball was going to be, not where the ball had just been. No, yet you have players who are chasing the puck. Like Ryan Callahan is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Ryan Callahan never gives up. Ryan Callahan in his career always gives 100%. But the reason he had to always give 100% is because he was always chasing the puck. Fox makes it look easy because he knows where the puck is going to be two, three, four seconds from now. No, that, that, that's a great point. And I think that's a skill that you cannot teach. No, it, Fox has shown quickly that this is also natural to him. And I, yeah. I think we can commend, obviously, his development, especially through Harvard to that. But there are certain guys that, you know, as we talk about Connor McDavid as well, they're just – they're just a young prodigy from the beginning. And it's really, really hard to um, emulate that. And while you can definitely give your your best effort and try and do so, and you can adapt your game to the best of the abilities, there are people out there that are just born different. They're they're brought up different, you know, whether yeah. it comes with their development through their families, how they brought them up in regards to what programs they were part of. But 
there are just some people that just have a viewpoint on the game of hockey, like like any other sport, that just know it. But, and I you, do you, see a lot of that in Fox. Yeah, but you know what's beautiful in every position for the Rangers? Forward, defenseman, and, go, and goalie. Our best forward is an undrafted player in Artemi Panarin. Our best defenseman is a third-round pick in Adam Fox. And our best goalie, who's in the running for Vezina, is a fourth-round pick. You know, the Rangers didn't need top three picks to get these players on their team. And for a team that, that until 2019 didn't have top two picks in, what, 53 years? Yeah, it was, it was at least 50 years. I think it's 53 years, going 53 years without a top three pick to get these players through different, you know, through the draft with Shestjorkin, through a trade with Fox and free agency with Panarin, doesn't matter. You get these players on your team. And Panarin was uh, a heart a hard trophy finalist in his first season. Adam Fox wins the Norris in his second season. Fox. Is it Igor's year? That's the real so, question now. Shorkin winning a Vezina in the third season just would make it would make it a perfect trifecta. I, I know Panarin didn't win the Hart Trophy, but he should have. Um, the year uh, Drysaddle won it, I think. I yeah, yeah I, I was an advocate for Panarin like, as well. There. This past season, Connor McDavid winning the MVP was the easiest decision. It was unanimous. He was yeah. unanimous. Everyone voted uh, first. Voted him first. But the season prior, Panarin's first season in New York, he deserved it over Dreisaitl. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. That's something that I pushed um, when I was making individual YouTube videos for hockey still. I remember doing a whole segment on why Panarin uh, should be for Harden, looking at all the underlying numbers and things of that nature. But The guy guy put up 95 points with Ryan Strom and Jesper Faust on his line in 69 games. And let's keep in mind that this is with the Ryan Strom that hadn't established himself with the Rangers yet. Yeah, this was the Ryan Strome that came off a season where he was criticized for his shooting percentage being too high. Because it felt too good. It felt too good to be true. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So Panarin putting up 95 points in 69 games, playing with a not yet established Ryan Strome and fourth liner in Jesper Faust. He should have won the heart. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. Anyway, hopefully there's there's at least one heart in Panarin's near future, right? Oh, I, I think there's going to be a hard in Adam Fox's future. I like that. Uh, I really do. But uh, let's take a pivot now. We talked, you know, 20 minutes at least about Adam Fox, and I think we can go at least another 20 longer. But let's pivot now to the games that transpired because, like I said, there were five games that took place since the last time that we had an episode, and I would just like to say that I now have the crown for our predictions. I know that we predicted three games um, last time we recorded, and Stephen, you went with the prediction of one, one, and one during that span. Yeah, I went with two and one. So I'm gonna take that championship belt right back around my waist. Hopefully, it doesn't leave anytime soon. And oh, it's gonna leave. It's gonna, it's gonna come. It's, right oh now. yeah. Okay. I will say, however, it is a little bit of a fraudulent victory because of the loss that I thought would transpire was it would be in Ottawa, not against Calgary. So I think everyone expected that. You think everyone expected that? Yeah. Look at when you look at the schedule, you play the Predators, the Flames, and the Senators, and you ask any Ranger fan which of these three games are they going to lose, you know it's going to be against the Senators. <laughs> but they beat the Senators, they beat the Predators, and then they lose to the Flames, which was uh, yeah, a, a wake up call for the team. 
it was a wake up call, but you need you need those wins, you need those losses throughout a normal eighty two game season. Yeah. I felt that same exact way for my my Knicks as a bat- basketball fan. The Knicks just got absolutely outplayed defensively on all fronts against the Toronto Raptors last night. After starting their season on a great run, they were I believe five and one heading into last night's game. You know, got humbled a bit. So I'm hoping that when they play tomorrow Wednesday at the time recording this that they bounce back and get back in the flow of things but let's start off with game one uh of th- this stretch that being actually game five for the Rangers is just retouch on things I know it's been a little bit but the Rangers beat the Nashville Predators to start this uh was this during their away trip regardless it was during their away trip they were in Nashville the Rangers won three to one and this felt like a Filipino show to me because last time Filipino scored a goal that was a little bit flashy reminded me exactly of him in Nashville. Now I'm trying to remember if this was during the short season or the year prior, but it was, I was during. I was, I was at that game. It okay, was, so it was the year prior then. Actually, that game was uh, November 1st, 2019. It was the Hockey Fights Cancer game in Nashville. Yes, yes, I remember that clearly. And Heedle had himself a flashy goal there. Then, of course, he's back in Nashville and scores a nice backhand goal, I believe. And that gave the Rangers the early lead. That was assisted by Sammy Blay and Alexi Lafreniere. Rangers head to the second period then. Philip Tomasino scores his first goal of his NHL career because of he plays the New York Rangers. Okay, exactly. I do like Tomasino quite a bit. He's been a young, promising rookie for the National Predators, wishing him the best. Um, and then we get to the third period, and this is where things get interesting. A beautiful, and I mean beautiful, setup by Sammy Blay to Alexi Lafreniere. That started with Adam Fox. Yes. Started with yes. Adam Fox. He got the- Adam Fox entering the zone there because oh that, that sets up the whole play. Yeah, and that's I feel like Adam Fox is doing a setup like this at least every once every night now. It's yeah. becoming, you know, far more of a reoccurrence. But Sammy Blay gets like a beautiful toe drag looking then backhand pass right to Lafreniere in front to bury it. That would be the game winner. Barkley Goudreau, who absolutely went off on his tail this entire stretch towards the end of the game to get an empty netter. He scored it rightfully so. Goudreau's already giving me similarities to Michael Grabner when it comes to um, empty nairs, just with his ability to actually make it happen and hustling his tail off during the end it's of fun, the game. It's funny you say that because he already has two empty net goals this season. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he got a second against Seattle. Yep. So, yeah, again, I like what I'm seeing with Goudreau. He's getting the job done in the nitty-gritty towards the end of the game. The Rangers outshot the Preds 30-29. to They lost in face-offs 45% to 55%. Usually when they're losing face-offs, that results in wins because the Rangers win more often than not when they're not doing well in face-offs. It's just how it's always been the past decade. Neither team scored on special teams. Uh, Rangers out-hit the Predators, not surprising, 15-10. to 10. Rangers had 10 blocks, which they just broke the, I think, the amount of blocks they've had in a game in Seattle, and uh, we'll be getting that. Um, and Predators have more giveaways. So overall, solid game for the Rangers. They were a little bit slow, stepped in that second period from what I recall. Um, something that they need to continue to work on on just being balanced as much as possible every period for the game. But Rangers went on to win that one in Nashville. So, Steven, take it away with uh, game six on the schedule. Yeah, so game six against the Senators. Was that the – yeah, next one. Yeah, against yeah. the Senators. Um, weird Saturday game, uh, early game. And uh, Rangers didn't look good. But, you know, they go down to nothing. And then in the final six minutes, they score three times to win it in regulation. Um, and I think that was, I think I rem- if I remember correctly, the first time in Rangers history, they're trailing by two goals with six minutes to go and they win in regulation. Um, I wasn't home for this game. And I just start, I see my phone start to blow up. 
yeah, like, oh, I, no, was, what happened? I was at the dinner with my mom and um I, I kept getting messages from people like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> you need to watch the last six minutes. Like, all right. So I watched the last six minutes and then the following day I watched the entire game. But um, yeah, I mean, Chris Kreider with another goal and then we'll, I'll, I'll expand on that in a minute. Captain Kreider. Um, Barkley Goudreau, uh, Ryan Lindgren uh, sealing it for the Rangers. Uh, 3-2 win against Ottawa, which is... Which, like I said earlier, that was the game I expected them to lose because the Rangers, <coughs> if they're going to lose a game, it's going to be against the opponent where normal fans would never expect it to happen. And Ottawa has been a dumpster fire since 2017. Um, but they're a good young team. They're getting up there now. And uh, they showed what they can do early on. Rangers still coming away with a win and then going into the home game against the Flames. Yeah, so again, Rangers won in Ottawa, a game that, you know, on the forefront didn't look like that they should have won, but they stole it in the end. We'll definitely take that W. But we head back home, we play Calgary, and yeah, this was not a fun game. <laughs> this was, I think we could agree, the worst game the Rangers have had so far this season outside of game one. Actually, I would say game one because I was in attendance. Of course, that happened. Rangers lost this one awfully similar, 5-1. to one. Uh, they didn't win on the faceoffs, so there's that. Maybe that's why the Rangers lost. I'm not sure. Uh, they out they beat the faceoffs 61 to 39 in percentage. Flames outshot the Rangers 37 to 29, and yeah, Flames got off to an early two nothing lead in this one. Uh, a bad goal too that the Rangers gave up, and I don't blame everything on Igor in this one. The team was just in complete disarray. I felt for a good portion of this one. But the first goal was by Chris Tanev, the defenseman, coming into the zone and got a nice shot off that Igor, you could have argued, should have had. Unfortunately, just trickled through. And that was right at the end of the period. The worst time to give up a goal. You lose any momentum you had, if at all. The team gains it right away, heading into the intermission. So then we get into the second period. Andrew Majapani, who's been absolutely fantastic, you know, all season long to start the year. A nice, sneaky goal scorer. Um, solid two-way player for the Flames, got himself a goal. Uh, only two minutes into the into that game, uh, pardon me, the second period. Then we go to the third period. Kevin Rooney makes things interesting, makes it a 2-1 game, assisted by Dryden Hunt, his first point as a New York Ranger, I believe, and Jacob Truba with the assist. But then more offense happens. Blake Coleman gets a really, really nice goal, but something that, you know, just unfortunate. It made me think of another time when Blake Coleman just scored a really nasty goal against the Rangers, too. When he was with the Devils, uh, Mikel Backlund made a 4-1, and then Andrew Majapani uh, got a power play goal right at the end of the game, but only literally a couple seconds left. And that ended up being, you know, the final goal in this one. So the Rangers just did not look good on all fronts. Uh, definitely did not like this game. They out-hit the Flames 27-20 in this one. Uh, the Flames scored the lone special teams goal. Uh, they were 1-2 for two on the power play. The Rangers were 0-2. for two. Blocks favored the Rangers 18 to 16, but the Rangers had 20 giveaways to the Flames, discipline six. So you could clearly tell the Rangers were struggling to handle the puck, both in the offensive and neutral zone, and the Flames executed when it mattered most. So not a pretty game, but thankfully they would bounce back in the following one. Yeah, uh, Rangers are hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, and uh, after the 5-1 thrashing of the Flames, they come back strong. Uh, they they win four nothing. Um, <laughs> Lewis Lundqvist getting his first point of his NHL career with a secondary assist on the on the opening goal. Ryan Strong, uh, Alexi Lafreniere scoring another goal, assisted by Adam Fox. Because you know this, you're going to hear Adam Fox a lot when we go through these these recaps. 
And then Chris Kreider getting two power play goals in the second uh, or in the third period to wrap it up. Um, Panarin and Fox both end the game with three assists. Uh, Kreider having two power play goals. Alexi Lafreniere getting his third goal of the season. Uh, strong game by the Rangers as a whole. Uh, it wasn't really as as dominant as you would expect a 4 nothing win to be. Uh, but they were solid all around. And um, there was a, a nice moment at the end of the game uh, where there were like 30 seconds to go. The Blue Jackets have the puck in their own zone. And Elvis Merzlikens, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets goalie, is telling his defenseman, you know, to take it easy. And, you know, he was saluting Igor Shesturkin and congratulating him with the shutout, um, which was Shesturkin's third shutout in, uh, in, in, in his NHL career. It was his 53rd game. And let me quickly look this up because I did tweet about it. Um, Where's Steve Valcat? Yeah, it was actually uh, the, the the top five uh, shutouts in a goalie's first 53 games as a Ranger. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, sorry, I'm I wasn't I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> um, it's this. It's okay. Uh, I'll I'll find it. I'll find no it. No worries. Um, And uh, I, I know that Velikad was in there uh, in the top five uh, and Henrik Lundqvist wasn't. And then on Sunday, uh, I don't know if people saw this, but on, on Sunday, um, they uh, they played the Seattle Kraken on Halloween, of course. And uh, they had this Halloween-themed uh, pregame show. Yes, they did. <laughs> and uh, they were all dressed up and uh, Velikad... They're talking about you know the the candy haul that they got, and Valaket <laughs> takes a puck out of his uh, out of his uh, bucket and goes, uh, "This is uh, one of my shutout pucks. I got more shutouts in my first fifty games than you did." <laughs> I, he he's tried very hard to rag on Hank every single chance he gets, and I find yeah. it hilarious. By the way, a quick shout out to Henrik Lundqvist and Steve Valaket because they made the pregame and postgame show so much fun to watch. Yeah, no, they're they're must see TV right away. I mean, Steve exactly. Malkett's always been, but having Hank in there now, you know, you got one goaltender now, you got the Kane himself. It it can only make things better, if you ask me. And we've clearly seen that so far to start the season. So yeah, shout out to both of them. Shout out yeah. to Steve because I know he shouts you out plenty, which is great to see. But it's okay. We'll get we'll go we'll get back if you find this stat on Igor. But he has been the absolute backbone for the Rangers. There's no denying that. Um, just what a start to the season he's had yeah, for the Rangers this year. Lauren Shabbat, Cam Talbot, Steve Veliket, Igor Shesturkin, and the fifth goalie I'm blanking on. Uh, but yeah, we can we can continue. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. No. No problem. But overall, a strong win for the Rangers. Uh, kind, yeah. kind of a, a bit of a statement win at just how they bounced back so well after the poor performance they had in Calgary, uh, which was really strong to see. Um, and then I believe after that, Columbus went on to play their next game and win in a shootout against the Devils. So that was also good to see. So shout out to Columbus for winning what it matters most to us Ranger fans. But getting into the final game that's transpired that we've seen so far at the time recording this, it was in Seattle. It was the Rangers' first game against the Kraken in Seattle as well. Uh, really, really cool sight to see them playing this expansion team. And I will say that's probably the extent of how cool the game was because my goodness gracious, this this one was not fun to watch for the majority. Uh, Rangers got off to an early lead thanks to Chris Kreider doing what Chris Kreider does best, 
seventh goal of the season for Crides. And I feel like we've been seeing this a lot, you know, throughout Crider's career, gain off to a hot start for the season, or at least at some point. What matters most to me now, Crides, is I love it. You don't need to score every game, but if you do, I'm not going to stop smiling. But let's just make sure that once you cool off that you don't go ice cold, okay? Let's not go 15, 20 games with only a goal or two. Let's let's try to get some consistency. I know it's not easy asking for a guy that, you know, is still in the prime of his career, but is he going to hit a peak this year? I don't know. But uh, that's the only thing that I ask for Christ. He's been doing a fantastic job planting himself in front of the net game. Beautiful deflected goals as well that we've seen, especially in that Columbus game. Um, but he's someone that I really, really just hope for his sake that he just doesn't get completely ice cold for an extended period of time. That's just all I ask. Yeah. I ask it every year. It, will this year be different? I don't know. But I, I'm really, I'm really hoping. Only, yeah, the only the only asterisk I'll put next to Kreider's goals is that five of them have come on the power play which is an awful lot. On the flip side, it is pretty impressive to score five power play goals in a, in a month. Especially um, in the way that he does it, though. I, yeah. I, he's one, he's, I think he's the leader, if not one of the best still in deflected goals uh, you know, yeah. for a while and now, since, especially on power play. Since, since 1990, Chris Kreider's five power play goals in the month of October, I think they rank 26th old, uh, since, since 1990. Oh, wow. Wide. So... Um, I think the most was Yarme Yager in that in his in that 2005 2006 season where he ended up with 123 points and 53 goals. Uh, Yager had nine power play goals that season in the month of October, uh, tied with Timu Salani in his rookie season. Uh, <coughs> but yeah, it's 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 interesting to see Chris Kreider getting off to a hot start. Let's see where it ends. But you know, any any every if any goal he scores. I'm going to uh, I'm going to cheer because maybe this will finally be the year we see a forward that we drafted hit 60 points for us. That'd because be awesome. it has been it has been 28 years. Tony Amonti being the last one. That's a great point. Yeah. Again, we'll see what Kreider does for the remainder of the year. But so far, so good. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate it. But game in the oh, second period, I found I found it the the fifth goalie. So okay. Uh, most number of shutouts in, in 53 career, first 53 games as a Ranger. Lorne Shabbat, 12. Cam Talbot, 8. Gilles Villemur, 5. Okay. Steve Velikat, 4. And Igor Shesturkin, 3. So, Vilmer was the one that you didn't have? Yeah, Where yeah. He was okay. the one I couldn't, I couldn't think of. So. Gotcha. Interesting. All yeah. right. Well, I'm glad we cleared the air on that. But yeah. getting back to this game now, second period, oh, my God. This is one of the worst – periods that we've seen so far this season in my mind it was up there it was not fun to watch at all rangers just got had no offensive production at all this entire stretch in the second period jordan everly scored um then make it a tied game and they scored i believe with right around seven minutes left or so we get to the third period rangers still aren't playing stellar hockey by any means but thankfully we have this man named adam fox who starts things off with a beautiful stretch pass all the way from the right corner of his own zone <laughs> To Artemi Panarin right before he enters the offensive zone from the left side. Panarin holds it. Then he brings it to a streaking Adam Fox in the zone. Comes in, pulls back for a second, snipes it. That ends up being the game winner for the Rangers. Fox's second goal of the year assisted by Panarin. Panarin has seven apples on the year already. And then Barkley Goudreau doing what he does best. Gets his third empty netter. Oh, pardon me, his third goal of the year. That was yeah. his second empty netter, though. When Mika's manager gained the lone assist, his sixth apple of the year. So Rangers won 3-1. Not an impressive game, though. 
Niels Lundqvist was not in the lineup for the Rangers either after having, I think you could argue, maybe his best game as a Ranger prior. So giving him rest, I can understand that, but not a fan of seeing Tenorti in this lineup at all. Um, I, I'm already done with that. Since it's the still better than Libor Hayek. What's that? Still better than Libor Hayek, in my opinion. Still better than Libor Hayek. You can make that argument for sure, but yeah. still... I, but I hope to see another game soon. Yeah, an, another game where the Rangers win without winning the majority of the faceoffs. Yes, and they won forty six percent to Seattle's fifty four. Uh, neither team scored on the power play. Would like to yeah. add that as well. Rangers out hit twenty six twenty one. Blocks favor the Rangers again. That's their season high now at twenty one yeah. to Seattle's thirteen. And the Rangers. Talk about a difference from say the Calgary game where they had twenty giveaways. Guess how many giveaways they had in this game. I don't know. Four. Okay. Night and day difference. And I, I don't know how much they had in the Columbus game. I have to go back and check, but just want to point that out there. So. Yeah. And, and what's important, and this came up in the post game show after the Columbus game, uh, because Steve Alicat gave me some homework. Um, the game, the game ended. And in the post game show, he wanted to know uh, the win percentage for teams that score first. And uh, I couldn't find the exact numbers, but over the last 10 years, it's around 69%. Uh, the team that scores the first goal in the game wins 69% of the time. So it's important for your goalie to step up, especially when you're under pressure early. And Igor Shostjorkin has done that. And it's just the face-offs. The face-offs are such an anomaly this season. The Rangers have played nine games. And in those nine games, they've uh, they've lost two in regulation, where they won the face-off battle. They won six, where they lost the face-off battle. And the one game where they lost in overtime, getting the one point, the face-offs were 50% each. You cannot make this stuff up. It's unbelievable. The one game they lose in overtime, the, the face-offs are equal. And every <laughs> game they win, they lose the face-off battle and vice versa. It makes no sense this season. At all. It's it sounds like a Rangers team that's more equipped, knowing that they're bound to lose the faceoffs versus them winning yeah. the faceoffs. <laughs> and it's it's also a big reason why our power play is not clicking. Because if yep. you 100%. if you have the power play, you start in, in the other in the other team's zone with with a faceoff. If you lose that faceoff, they clear it. You oh lose yeah, 15, 20 seconds of your power play before you set up again. Exactly. You have, to, you have to. You have to. You have to go back. You have to pick up the puck. You have to skate it up the ice. Then you have to enter the zone, which is also not easy for some reason. By the time you're set up, you're you're twenty minutes. You're 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 you're, you're twenty. You lost twenty seconds. So we need to do something about these faceoffs because it's getting to the point where it's really frustrating, and it hasn't hurt the Rangers yet by some miracle. I still it will. Understand. It will though. But it know. will, and and this is what I was talking about. Uh, last week, I think, with you. Yes, I'm happy the Rangers are winning. I'm just not happy that they're winning in ways that long-term are not sustainable. Let's win in the right way. Let's not win just for the sake of, oh, you know, we just yeah. squandered the win yeah. somehow. Yeah. I'd rather, I rather win lucky than lose unlucky. It's, you know, don't get yeah. me wrong. But long-term, I want the Rangers to be a playoff team this season. And for the Rangers to be a playoff team this season – they need to play a brand of hockey that's sustainable, where wins are sustainable, where where you don't have to worry about about one one or two bounces. You know, it ha just has to go your way every game to to get to two points, and and you you cannot you cannot go through a whole season like this. 
Agreed. And we talked about that a last uh, um a lot last off season. That's something that yeah. I, I just and, hit in my head. Uh, pardon me, not to, last off season, last season. Yeah. And to make the playoffs, let's let's not forget the Rangers are in objectively the toughest division the NHL has. Mm-hmm. There's no denying it. All eight teams in the Metro are at above. 500 or above. That's crazy. The Pittsburgh Penguins, who are in last place, have eight points out of eight games. They're at 500. Compare that to the other three divisions. You have the Montreal Canadiens at, at 0.200. Ottawa Senators at 0.375. In the Central, you have the Chicago Blackhawks at 0.2. Uh, Arizona, 0.05. And in the Pacific, you have three teams at 0.3 something. The Metropolitan Division is the toughest division in this in this league. And the Rangers are going to have to win, not just against teams like the Seattle Kraken and the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they also have to start winning against the team in their own division. And that's important because they they, they only played, if I remember correctly, they, they played two division teams now, the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Washington Capitals. At that opening night game, you lose against the Washington Capitals, you know, and in a vacuum, it doesn't look like a big deal, but we need to, we need to win some games against them this season. You know, I don't want to get swept by a team in our division because it kills your playoff, your playoff hopes. Yeah, I know you're right. We need to, we need to make sure that we can step up and, you know, start to play with the big dogs, that being the Islanders, the Hurricanes, especially that to this point, I believe are still the lone undefeated team at eight and no. What a run that they've been on so far to start this year. Just Are the Florida running. Panthers no longer undefeated? I do believe the Panthers have recorded one loss. I think it might be an overtime loss. But okay. the Panthers, respectfully, are on a great run as well. Um, even with having a coaching change, they should still be fine for the year. Um, but I want to add one more thing about the Seattle game, and I think this goes for most games, is that Igor Sturkin, my goodness gracious, he's the only reason why the Rangers even had a chance in this one after that yeah. first period. Just absolutely lights out. Say 31 of 32 shots. His numbers on the year overall are looking fantastic. And, you know, the Rangers have only used Georgiev once this year, correct? Was it just the Capitals game? This no, was, no, no. Uh, he played the Capitals game and then he played Ottawa. Against, is it Ottawa? I think against Ottawa. Let me check. Because I didn't watch the Ottawa game. So that's why I'm thinking it might be Ottawa. Um, um, nope. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. I was checking Calgary. Ottawa. Yeah, he played against Ottawa. Okay, okay. So he he's played two games so far, but Igor is obviously not just the number one, but he's just been dominant on every front, every single game for the Rangers. Yeah. And 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 by the way, I want to say that I'm really happy that Galand came up, came up, came came forward and said, "Listen, Igor Shashurkin is a starter. None of this one A one B bullshit. None of this. Oh, we don't know who the starter is, like David Quinn said last season. No." You give Chef Jorkin the confidence by 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 telling everyone he's the starter and he's going to he's going to pay you back. And we've seen it so far. And if he can take this to the end of the season, he's gonna win a Vezina. I will say, however, I'm not someone that's against the goaltending tandems because that's what today's NHL is. That's how it gives guys more longevity, especially come playoff time. But I do agree that having one A one B only works if you, in fact, you have a one A and one B. And you're like Vegas, this point. Like, yeah, like Vegas last season when they had Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury. That's the yeah. perfect. That's the perfect setup for a goalie tandem. Correct. 
But the Tampa Bay Lightning were playing Vasilevsky every every chance they could because yeah. he's he's the best goalie in the league. Hmm. You know, you're not you're not going to go one A one B just because you know that's how people play in the league these days. No, if you have the best goalie in the league, you're gonna play the best goalie in the league. And and I remember Nils Lung, uh, Nils, uh Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, this is gonna happen a lot over the next the next next couple of years. <laughs> I remember Henrik Lundqvist, the goalie. Uh, playing 65, 70 games in a season early on in his career. Oh, I, I do too. We talked about it last episode. Yeah, on how on how goaltending has changed over the years. And I feel like we've, we've touched on a lot. And again, it's something I'm not against at all. But you just need to make sure that if you are in fact sticking with tandems, that's warranted, and not just for the sake of oh, making sure that the guy is a breather. No, if your backup is far more inconsistent than your starter, and that's core. Uh, directly resulting in a lack of wins, then something needs to be had here. It needs to change, right? And yeah. Gallant has uh, learned that rather quickly, literally since game one. And I'm I'm happy about that as well. I think um, I think the last time the Rangers had two goalies that were on, on on almost the same level was probably the early the late '80s, early '90s with Richter and Van Beesbroek. Yeah, that was that was a good yeah. tandem because. You know, you know what you have in both goalies, and they're they're pretty much similar. But when you have Shashurkin and Georgiev, Shashurkin is your starter. There's no no way around it. No, I I agree. I agree with you completely. Igor is the number one. He's one of the best goaltenders in the league right now, and hopefully that he continues this upward trend that he's been, especially as long as this man stays healthy. You know, we're we're really seeing the full package now, which is great. But with saying that, you know, I think that's really all we need to touch on regarding the games. Uh, one final segment that I'd like to discuss with you, a uh, topic, I should say, before we get into Q&A, and then we will, of course, get into the upcoming schedule to share our quick thoughts and predictions, is the latest on Vitaly Krasov. And this will probably this might be the last time that we talk about him for a bit, or maybe we'll talk about him again next week. But, Stephen, why don't you run away with this one? Because I know that there's been uh, some a little bit conflicting reports that actually even came out today. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, was it last night? Um, there was a report from a Sport Express in Russia that the Rangers and Tartar Chelyabins are talking about Kravtsov going to Tartar on loan. And um, the player and the team just have to talk about salary now, which which indicates that, you know, the loan is pretty much agreed, on, agreed upon. Um, and then today, Vince Marcogliano asked, the Rangers, of course, because he's, you know, he he's there with the team, and he was told that that nothing is final. You know, there have been talks, but um, it's not the, the loan has not been agreed upon. Uh, but we heard the same thing la- last year. You know, the the Russian sources were breaking it before the Rangers were officially announcing it. Um, we'll see what happens in the coming week. I think this is going to happen anyway. Sooner or later, it's it's the best case scenario for all parties involved. Uh, Tartar gets a really good player to help them uh, make the playoffs. Kravtsov gets to play hockey, and the Rangers get to uh, you know they get to you know they, they can wait until the end of the season with their with one of their top prospects playing in Russia, building up their his trade value, and hopefully get a little bit more for him than a second round pick. So we'll see what happens. Um, I know it's probably 99% sure he's never going to play for the Rangers again, but deep down inside, I still hope that they can find a way to inject him into the lineup at the end of the season when he comes back from Russia, have him play in the NHL, build up his value even more, and then trade him. 
And the thing I've always said is I want the Rangers to do with Kravtsov what the Tampa Bay Lightning did with Jonathan Drouin a couple of years ago. I think in 2016, Jonathan Drouin walked away from the team. He refused to play for them. Um, and, you know, they, they spoke to him. They had a couple of conversations. They reconciled everything. He came back to the Tampa Bay Lightning, played for them for a full season, put up 50 points, and then they traded him for Mikhail Sergachev, who was an integral part to the Tampa Bay Lightning's two cups. I want the Rangers to do something similar. I don't want the Rangers to just trade him for peanuts just to send a message. No. I want I want Chris Drury to do what's best for the Rangers. And what's best for the Rangers is they get the most in return when you trade Vitaly Krasov. And the best way to do that is to let him play until you actually get to that point where you trade him. No, I, I agree. Um, I will say that while... It again, it's like 99%. It feels like that Vitali, you know, if he would ever play for the Rangers again, it's not likely. Um, would it be awesome if the Rangers could maybe have a Yessi Pulyarvi type situation happen where a bridge that looked burned, um, they were able to reestablish? I think that yep. would say a lot about the Rangers, um, not just on the Rangers, but also Vitali on his character on potentially changing too. I mean, that would be a great story. Uh, yeah, again, and, and not, something, not something I'm banking on, but something that would be yeah, a pleasant but- surprise. It's another example that I wanted to bring up, but I, w- I decided to go with Jonathan Drouin. But Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, you know, when his entry-level contract was over, he said he never wanted to play for the team again. Went to Finland, tore it up, came back, uh, changed his jersey number. You know, he went from 98 to 13. And I think that's also a mental thing. You know, you if, you, if you're going to go for a fresh start, then change your jersey number up. You know, play with a different jersey number. I remember when uh, when Michael Jordan, it, I'm switching to basketball now, but when Michael Jordan came back from playing baseball uh, that season, was it 95? I think so, 95. I when think he wore 95. 45? Uh, yeah, and he came back into the league and he wore 45. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you know, this is going to be my second stint and I'm going to play with 45. It didn't really work for him. And then he switched back to 23 and the next season he was a beast and he won the Chicago Bulls three more championships. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Vitaly Kravtsov, if he wants a fresh start and goes to pull Yarvi way, I'd fully embrace it. And, yes, I know his behavior is, is questionable, and I've criticized it many times. But at the end of the day, I just want what's best for the team. Uh, I agree. I, I, I want to win the Stanley Cup. And if if – Playing Kravtsov gives you a better chance at winning the Stanley Cup, whether that be to build up his trade value before you trade him away or him being an integral part to your team moving forward. That's 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 the way to go. You know, they need to bury the hatchet. They need to they need to they need to find a compromise somewhere, because if they don't, then it's worst case scenario. and You get a second round pick. And I know we're very happy with Will Cooley, who we drafted with the pick that we got for Elias Anderson. But. This Rangers team with these scouts, they're not going to hit on a second-round pick twice. It's Second-round picks are magic beans. I, I don't want a second-round pick for Vitaly Kravtsov. I want more. I want either a player or I want him to be the player that plays for us. They need to, they need to find a compromise somewhere. Uh, I, maybe, I agree with that. Maybe this loan, when it's finally officially announced, I think it is going to happen in the next couple of weeks is a first step in the right direction. 
No, well said, Stephen. Um, but one more, I think one more thing I want to touch on here before we get to questions, because we didn't really talk too much about the Rangers play outside of just quickly breaking down their games. But I want to say how my initial impression to the Rangers so far through three weeks, and again, this is according to the podcast schedule, not so much actual three full weeks of games for the Rangers, even though I know that they've been playing for a little bit now. But through nine games, I've seen definitely some highs. I've definitely seen some lows. I've seen inconsistencies. Um, defensively, the Rangers are a top five defensive club right now in the league when it comes to you know the amount of goals they've given up. I think that's far more of a um, testament to Igor Shosturkin's play than is the defense. Um, but no less, I w- I'm curious to see when Niels will be back. If I don't think he's playing tonight. I could be wrong. Uh, against Vancouver, uh, that's a 10 p.m. Eastern time game. Uh, I know that when it comes to offensively, I want to see more out of Zbanjad. Um, I know that he hasn't had a bad start to the year, but the, something that I've always noticed with Mika is he just tends to get lost sometimes. When he's tearing it up, he's absolutely tearing it up. But he can just kind of, you know, you could not notice him for an entire game and be like, how that happened? Panarin has been off to a, you know, point per game start to the season per usual, but not anything that's necessarily been jaw dropping, not uh, the Panarin that is doing things every single game that you're just absolutely forward by. He's getting his points, but I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully soon where he can get his points, more of that magical type that we've been seeing with Adam Fox, um, the young kids and Kako. He has yet to record a point. I don't hold that against him. I thought Kako looked great to start the year. Looks a little rusty since coming back from his injury. Hopefully he gets more in a groove, but I hope that for Alexi Lafreniere's case, who, Again, is a guy that's been a little consistent. I believe he has four points in nine games for the Rangers here, so nothing terrible at all. I know he's playing with Sammy Blay and Philip Heedle, uh tonight on that third line, and Gerard Gallant reportedly, from what I just read recently, wants more out of them. Uh, so hopefully the young kids can really get something going. I do have my concerns with that line, however, only because of the fact that it is a really young line we're talking about. And I do like the appeal of Alexi in the top six. Uh, But again, you have to earn your spot. I get that. Um, I just hope that for his sake and Heedle and Blay, they can really try to get something going because the Rangers, it would be nice to see some more depth scoring out of them outside of, you know, the big two, the big three, that being in Kreider, Zimejad, Panarin. Uh, But before I go further, I just want to say thank you all so much, everybody that's been chiming in this episode. If you're watching live on replay, make sure to smash that like button, subscribe. If you're watching YouTube, leave us a nice comment wherever you get your podcast as well. I see a big donation from good friend aces. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you kindly for the $50 donation guys. Hype in the chat for my boy. That is um, beers when we get to New York. Yeah, beers when you get to NY, absolutely. Uh, that's definitely for Steven. I don't know when I'm going to be at a game yet this year. I hope that I can go relatively soon. But thank you again for the donation, my friend. I do believe this is – um, uh, let me see. who I'm trying to think who exactly because I get the names mixed up all the time. But this is someone from the um, the All Things Rangers uh, podcast. I'm almost certain. Uh, they're not called that anymore. It's oh, no, you're right. They changed. They changed their name. Yep. I'm, I don't, oh, it's Felk. It's Felk. Okay. From Big Apple Hockey. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you again for Felk for the donation. That means a lot, my friend. Thank you kindly. Yeah. Yeah. Big donation from Felk. uh, Before we get to questions, quickly on Panarin and Zabanijad, I always say good players score when they play well. Great players score even when they don't. And agreed. uh, Panarin and Zabanijad are putting up the points. Uh, Imagine how, how, Imagine how this team plays when the top six is actually showing up. 
Um, and quickly on Lundqvist, um, I'm fine with him sitting a couple of games. You know, it's been he played he played seven games so far, I think. Um, he's had good moments. Uh, he's had games where he was a little bit overwhelmed, uh, but I think him being on the team is is still beneficial for him. Um, we don't really have a good alternative in Hartford or for the right side, so uh, we'll see what happens there. I do expect Zach Jones to uh, to get a call up uh, soon, so we'll see what what what's going on there. Um, Ooh, we we might see uh, uh, Nemeth move to the right side and then Zach Jones on the third pair with Nemeth for a couple of games to, to see how that goes. Um, but I'm really happy with how the defense is 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 playing overall. Uh, Miller and Truba have really improved since the first couple of games of the season. Uh, Lindgren is steady as always. You know, if he doesn't bleed, he hasn't played well, but he bleeds every every freaking game. <laughs> and Adam Fox is Adam Fox. So what can you say? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the guys that are supposed to be doing the role – the most part are doing it. Um, I'm just, I hope that we can see a little bit more structure and just making sure that you don't get too lost for a period. You know, as a hockey fan, we see it all the time throughout a normal A2 game season. You're going to dominate one period. You might get shelled the next, but it's how you bounce back. And I feel like, especially the start of the year, the Rangers have lacked that consistency, you know, for each period. Let's try to get more of a balance here. Um, Cause if they can do that, then I really can see them gain on, fairly dominant tear, not necessarily dominant in their performance, but dominant in just making sure that they're still finding their ways to squander wins in different ways. However, not necessarily doing it in the sense of, you know, uh, we're going to guarantee five goals game every game. This isn't the uh, early Elaine Vigneault days for the Rangers, but a team that's going to be really gritty, really hardworking and having their top guys to step up while having the young kids in Kako and Lafreniere, especially uh, really start to hit their stride offensively. That's something that, you know, you and I, that's the next step that we're hoping that we do start to see on display this season. Uh, yeah. But let's get into comments now. Let's get into some questions, guys. So if you're watching this live or if you're listening, however, we get wherever you get your podcast, always know that if you're watching live through YouTube, you can, of course, chime in and ask some questions live uh, for the last 10 to 15 minutes of the segment. So that's what we're going to do now for, say, a good 10 minutes or so. Then we're going to give our predictions on the upcoming schedule for the Rangers next four games because we won't be back here until at least a week from now. So that will be next Tuesday, the 9th. Um, at the earliest, maybe it will be the Wednesday, the 10th. We'll see. But uh, let's see if we got a bunch of questions array. Um, and again, thank you so much. A uh, good friend from a fellow Rangers show for the donation. That really meant a lot to me, buddy. So thank you again. Hopefully we can all meet at games. So I, every I feel like every week people have been asking me, you know, when are you going to get the garden? We got to meet up. I'm like, I want to go to the garden. I just haven't gotten the opportunity yet. So hopefully – we can get set up soon. I know Steven's going, uh, you know, this month, which is very exciting as it is. Uh, Yona with the $5 donation, though. Thank you, Yona. Great supporter on the show. Uh, now that Foxy got his long-term big big money, a steal, I agree. What do you guys think will be the biggest challenges in the future cap space and contract-wise? I think the biggest challenges are easily going to be what's what is the development like with Kaka? What is the development like? with Lafreniere what is like that is what I'm looking at probably first and foremost because if these guys hit the strides that we anticipate that they will in the next couple of years you know they will be due for some big paydays um that's really the biggest concern you know the Rangers have a good chunk of money uh, invested in just five players 
similar to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, but the Leafs have four forwards, one defenseman versus the Rangers have more of a balance and three forwards and two defensemen with balancing, you know, over 40 mil. So they, they're going to have a lot of challenges. This is just the beginning for them. They're going to have to get fairly creative, but this is also with the assumption that everyone that is a, a decent to big contract is currently on the roster. Something tells me that long-term that won't be the case for some of these veterans potentially on the team. And as we talked about before, Steven, I think you agree, you know, Guys on entry-level contracts are going to be pivotal to the Rangers down the stretch throughout, you know, this run of building, hopefully, mm-hmm. somewhat of a dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough with Ryan Strome being a free agent next season. Um, if they can sign Ryan Strome for a similar cap hit that he has now, that that would be a steal. And I think the Rangers should do that because we've seen how integral Strome is to Panarin. And... If you look at Strom's perspective, you know, you were drafted by the Islanders. You were then traded to the Oilers for Jordan Eberle. Didn't really work out in, 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 both, uh, in both organizations. Then you get traded again to the Rangers, and all of a sudden your career takes off. Do you really want to test free agency and, you know, get a payday, get a big payday, but then end up like, like uh, Gronlund in Nashville? where your, your, your production dips because you're not playing with the players that, that you gel with? Or would you take a little bit less and for the next couple of years still put up points and, you know, be a productive player, be part of a team that's going to win? I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens with Strom. But I think Strom is going to be a big decision moving forward. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jacob Truba is on the way out in, in two years. I know his no move clause only expires in 2024, but you know the Rangers might not have have any other option than to talk to Jacob Truba and ask him to waive because that eight million cap hit will go a long way to to extending guys like Lafreniere and Kako in the future, and you know uh, Zach Jones, uh, Keandre Miller, Niels Lundqvist. They have to they have to do something. They have to get at least one big contract off the books for, to to make it work. I will be awfully surprised if Jacob Truba plays his entire contract with the Rangers. I, oh, I, his, his yeah. entire contract? I guarantee you he's not going to finish yeah. his contract in New York. I agree. I, I don't see the, it happening. The, the question is whether they move on from him in 2023 or if they wait until 2024 when his no-move clause expires. They might. They might if go he, that far as long as it doesn't have too much salary implication on them. Yeah. If you if you talk to him in 2023 and say, hey, listen, you know, move clause is going to expire next year, and it's a it's a partial no trade clause. I think it's 12 teams uh, that you can block a trade to. We want to trade you this season, but you get to decide where you go, and you might retain a million or two to make it happen. You clear six million, that'll go a long way. Yeah. Um, no. Agreed. Initially, I thought Kreider was going to be the the one that that's that's gonna that was going to get moved. But after the way he started this season, it's it's hard to sell if if he keeps this up. It's a hard sell to the fan base to uh, to trade him. No, he's not going anywhere anytime no. soon. Right now, uh, from what we're currently seeing, no chance. Um, bunch more questions. We're going to get as many as we can here during this time frame. Um, McKeg definitely next. Brett Howden. Uh, need to get Bear in the job there. Thoughts on Zach Jones and Neil Lundquist as the third pair uh, for the second half of the season. Tired of seeing Nemeth and Tenorti. Okay, I'm, I'll tr- I'll break this down quick. And Stephen, if there's anything you want to add, let me know. But 
McKen, McKeg, and fun fact, because I know, I think it was Brody in the chat that said this uh, fun meme stat for you. The Rangers are 6-0 and with Greg McKeg in the lineup, so take that as you will. I know he's been a heavy contributor. But McKeg, yes, I know that he has been a little bit of a favorite early. Um, I would like to see Barron gain playing time for sure, but I think he will. Um, this just this comes off as a natural-looking veteran coach that's kind of going with guys that he has right now and you know clearly there is not enough with baron that he feels is warranted of having him in the lineup much so hopefully that changes throughout the course of the year but regarding zach jones and Niels, i don't want to see those two paired that much this year after really thinking about it i'd like them both playing with the rangers potentially um but the reality is is Niels and Jones are awfully similar when it comes to the type of players that they are. Um, so if you're going to have them, it would almost be best for a situation where you break up two other guys that are awfully similar, that being in Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba. Having, say, Truba on your right and having Zach Jones on your left, having Keandre Miller maybe switching to the right side because I know he's versatile. He's been originally being a winner. And having um, – actually, no, that, that wouldn't make sense. Pardon me. Niels no, on the right. Yeah. Yeah, Neil's on the right, Keandre on the left. So there wouldn't have to be any issues there. Um, so I would love that. I do think that Jones is going to get playing time this year, whether it's during the same time that Neil's is on, in the lab too, has yet to be seen. Um, but I agree. I am tired of Nemeth and Tenorti as well. Um, definitely not a fun pair. Uh, that just feel like every year there's always a defensive pair for the Rangers like that, where it's not nothing exciting with uh, some veterans that one isn't on a contract that we like when it comes to term, and the other is just a guy that – you know, really doesn't have much of a say of anything when it comes to any type of production <laughs> offensively or defensively. Um, I don't think they can buy Truba out without a significant dead cap hit. Um, I, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think we can either. There will be multiple years of dead cap if the Rangers bomb out anytime soon, but they wouldn't do that clearly. I don't yeah. think. So what, what, what I know off the top of my head when it comes to buyouts is, um, the buyout penalty is always twice the length of the original contract that's left. So if they would buy him out next summer, the buyout would last eight years. If they buy him out in 2023, the buyout would last uh, six years. The exact numbers, I can actually look this up quickly on Cap Friendly. Just the, the Coke calculators buyout. Here we go. If they would buy him out, in 2023 oh you're looking at yeah you're looking at 2.2 million and then 4.2 for two seasons and then 2.2 for three more years so 2023 is not a bad year if if you're going to buy him out let's hope not if you're going to buy him out then then yeah 2023 wouldn't be terrible 2024, you're looking at 4 million, 4 million, 2 million, 2 million uh, over four years as a cap hit. So it's not terrible. I still don't want, I, I just don't want the Rangers to do enough to go through more buyouts. I mean, I know. Can we, can we end that era? We're, we're all, we're almost at the point where they're all off the books. Can we just, I know. That? It's like out with the old and with the new, right? I, it's like there has I to be would... something replacing it. I would rather make a deal like we did with Mark Stahl, where you give up a second round pick to get him off the books completely. Yeah. Than to go through another buyout. Agreed. Yeah, I stand by that. Again, Truba isn't going anywhere anytime soon. We'll see how much longer he's as a Ranger. However, you know, if he is going to play for the majority of his contract, maybe he'll be trading in a couple of years. We don't know right now. 
Um, there's aspects of Trooper's game that I definitely I do like. There's aspects of Trooper's game that I don't like. And um, that's one of those where, you know, if he wasn't on the contract that he was, I think it would be a much different discussion. But because he is, and knowing that the Rangers' future is looking tight cap-wise, that's why we're going to always have these continued conversations on his front. Um, let's see here. I'm going to take one or two more questions before we get into our closing thoughts on predicting the upcoming schedule for the next couple of games. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Kratzov for Caulfield, someone said. That's hilarious. I, I mentioned that to you earlier. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, Montreal is going to figure out Cole. I think he has an absolute amazing scoring ability. Uh, no, no, no shot. Caulfield's value is far higher, in my opinion, than Krasov. Um, but I know that Stephen pointed out earlier that Caulfield has taken Montreal out of like his bio and all of his social media. So take that as you will. Yeah, no, no. If my if 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 you if you would force me now to trade Kraftsov for a prospect that <coughs> is on the same level, I think I I'd go with Rasmus Kupari of the LA Kings. It's, yeah. It's a good fit for the Rangers. You know, they get they get a good center prospects who plays. He's currently playing with them. Yeah. Um the other player that, that has been linked to a Kraftsoft trade was Barrett Hayden, but I really don't like Barrett Hayden. I mean, yeah, he was drafted fifth overall, but he was a huge reach in on draft day. I was at the draft in Dallas and nobody understood what, what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to trade Kraftsoft for it for a young center that cannot even crack the lineup on the worst team in the league. That's fair. You know, yeah. uh, that's fair. I don't, let's put it this way: I don't think Barrett Hayden is better than Morgan Barron. I I agree with you on that one. Yeah, he hasn't done anything really to prove it at this point. No. no. All right, and one final comment we'll take before we get into the upcoming schedule from David. Uh, we need a real score. This team has zero chance to beat the Islanders or Capitals with this uh, ragtag offense. David, I, I think my ca- my counter here would be the fact that the Rangers have a goal in getting these goal scorers from within right now. They need the emphasis to be on Lafreniere and Kako, okay? While playoffs is definitely a priority this year for sure, these guys need to be part of the reason why. Okay, and there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. This we really need to start to hopefully get some consistency ice time with them, get some offensive production going because Alexio Lafreniere, there's a reason why he's been so coveted from the consensus for overall draft pick. There's a reason why Capo Caco was, you know, deemed as even a first uh, first overall talent, according to some scouts, um, you know, just falling short of Jack Hughes. So these are guys the Rangers need to focus on developing. The Rangers went a route and really, you know, maybe went back to the old ways of uh, Glenn Sather esque, where they're adding guys at the deadline. I'm not against adding more offensive production, but it's gonna if it's going to directly hinder the likelihood of developing your young talent when you know damn well that the Rangers aren't more than likely are not winning the Stanley Cup this year or not really anytime soon. At least they haven't shown us to this point. Um, now's the time where they need to need to develop their homegrown talent. Those should be your scores. Um, they have high ceilings. Uh, they Capos look great defensively two way. Let's get the offense going. Lafreniere has looked solid. Um, he's definitely looked a little, little um, uh, underwhelming at times, but overall I, I don't complain too much with Laffy. I just want to see more out of him. And I think everyone else does. And he knows that himself. So I'm confident in them. I, I'm looking forward to their development, but 
I do not think the Rangers should go down the route of basically adding right now. You know, let's work with what we have and build from there. Yeah, the Rangers are not are not there yet to be buyers, either at the deadline or throughout the season or in the offseason. Maybe in the offseason. But um yeah, our goal scorer now is Chris Kreider. And um you can you can tell that this team is still adjusting to a new system under Gerard Gallant. It's going to take a couple more weeks. Um but man, how nice would it have been if we just signed Butchnevich to a one year extension? Steven, we can we please not go down this right now? <laughs> it would it would solve so many problems. But, I, I, uh, I agree, but shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know? It, 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 is, what, it is what it is. That bridge um, has been burned. It is what it is. Look, the Rangers are are going to build something here, hopefully under Gerard Gallant. Um when Panarin and Zabanajad are are getting to to the top of their games and they're on separate lines. We're gonna have a lethal top six regardless who the other players on those lines are. You know, you have you have Kreider and Zabanajad, uh, and then Panarin and Strom, and then your third line with Lafreniere, Hedel and um Blay. and Sammy Blay. I mean it might not have the offensive upside of the third line we had in 2013-14 with Zuccarello, Pouliot, and Brassard, but... Oh, yeah, it definitely doesn't. Not yet, at least. No, not yet, but it's a damn fun third line, potentially, yeah. to watch. Um, I The player I want to see more of is uh, is Philip Hedl. I'm just... I'm I was just going to I was gonna just say that. I'm yeah. really not convinced Philip Hedl is going to be more than a third liner, and I've, I've said this for the last two years. Hedl is, for me... Philip Hedl is Artem Anisimov without the defense. Artem Anisimov, when he was a Ranger, he had games where he scored highlight real goals, just like Philip Hedl. The problem yep. with Anisimov, same with Philip Hedl, is that those games are few and far in between. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember a goal that Anisimov scored in Pittsburgh where he skated through four defensemen and then roofed it. I remember a goal against the Flyers, where we were on a power play, he gets hooked, he scores, and then he gets high-sticked. The Rangers went from being, I think they were up 2 nothing, and on the power play, to being up 3 nothing and on a free power play. Goal, uh, the goal negated uh, Jager, who was in the penalty box. And the two players, the one that hooked him and the one that high-sticked him, went into the box. That's that's Anisimov's defining play as a Ranger for me. Yeah, I, I was a big Anisimov fan. Um, I was watching him, you know, right before he was part of with, with the Rangers as, you know, my early mm-hmm. life as a Rangers fan. Always always liked him, always cheered him on. Um, yeah. I do see the similarities a bit, and I do agree that, you know, he at this point hasn't proven anything that he could be, you know, a top six Centerman. However, I don't think it's impossible for him to be one at some point. I think that there is still plenty potential with them. You know, let's not forget how young he is. At yeah, he's twenty-two. He has. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 unbelievable. It feels like he's been with the Rangers a decade. It's actually kind of crazy. Well, he is he is the third longest tenured Ranger at the moment. I know, which is, which is yep, and he was and he was the second second pick of that 2017 draft for the Rangers. So it's crazy how things are really coming full circle right now. But Heedle, I will say that what will be important for him, and the same thing goes for a lot of the younger kids, is, you know, 
when he scores, a lot of the times it is really flashy. And that's the funny thing about it. He does things that you're jaw dropping. He's looking even like Malkin ass, uh, like Kako at his times. Goals Kako. His like, goals are memorable, yes. It, they're very memorable, but are they they're not just memorable because of the fact of how flashy they're all they are, they're memorable yeah, because they really happen. They're, yeah, they're very few and far in between. So let, hopefully for Heedle's sake too, we can see more of him. I agree. Um, I, I will say though, even if he ends up being ceiling top nine center staying on a third line as long as he's contributing i don't mind him being a long-term top nine center for the rangers as long as he's you know benefiting the club more than he is not you know as long as the yeah. rangers are in a spot where he can be a very solid centerman for them or, as long as his salary stays under three million i'm okay with it yeah i mean he's not going to be looking for any big payday anytime soon right no so, all right, well, that, that's enough with Q&A time. Let's get into the upcoming schedule, and then that'll wrap things up. This is a long episode today, but it's really also because of the fact that we missed last week's recording. But Rangers, oh, I, thought was, I thought it was because Adam Fox signed an extension. Sorry. That too, that too. You know, that's fair. It's kind, kind of a big deal. I don't know. Um, yeah. But the Rangers have uh, fun. Um, I don't know how much of these games you're going to watch live, Stephen. Uh, this will be a little tough for you, even though maybe – Maybe you'll watch Friday and Saturday because it's heading into the weekend. Friday uh, and Saturday, I'll watch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Stephen, as we know, is in a different time zone, living in Dublin. Uh, but, yeah, Rangers, 10 p.m. Eastern time tonight at the time recording this. You might not even see this recording or listen until the following after this game in Vancouver. They have the Canucks tonight. Um, then they go Friday against the currently 7-1 and one Edmonton Oilers, led by, yes, Connor McDavid with 16 points in seven games. Goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun one for sure. Then it's a back-to-back on Saturday there in Calgary. Hopefully the Rangers will try to redeem uh, the matchup from the past week against the Flames in which they lost 5-1. to one. Then the final game that they have uh, before we record again will be against the Florida Panthers, the Panthers who have been oh amazing so far to start this year. I'm really happy for them. I'm pulling for them big time. They have a really good roster. Antoine Lindell, baby. Love to see him developing behind Barkov. Um, Panthers on November 8th. That's going to be uh, this upcoming Monday. So four games out of these four, Stephen, I am going to go with the prediction that the Rangers go two, one, and one. I think that they will stay above 500. Um, uh, over, t- I, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting flashbacks of an overtime game and can, I feel like, ra- I feel like the Rangers just have to make it mandatory that they go to OT and at least one of these games in Vancouver, knowing that it screws up all normal Ranger fans living on the East coast to have to watch that much longer. So <laughs> I'm expecting at least one OT game if I'm being honest with you, but yeah, I'm going to go two, one and one. I'm not going to say who they won, who they lose to, because I genuinely don't know. It's easy to pick Oh, Edmonton. They should lose Florida. They should lose, but you know, Maybe Calgary is going to be the kryptonite again. We'll see. Yeah. Um, tough one. And might I add, it's not – you don't have to pick a different, you know, thing than no, me. I'm, I'm ju- going to get the belt back next week. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with – it's not a popular choice, but one, two, you, and one. One, two, and one. Ooh, okay. Trying to set a reality check for the Rangers rather quickly. Okay. All right. I will say the Rangers have been looking good on the road. I like that aspect of this as well. Um, we'll see how they do in Canada again. But Steven's going with the under in regards to wins at 1-2-1. and one. I am going uh, with 
the over at two one and one. We'll see who is correct and who overall who's more accurate. Um, do we? I'm trying to remember. Do we tally uh, a winner or a loser? Yeah, when, no, 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 no. My point is, we're not doing this for fun. Um, my point is that whoever's closest in the scenario that we're both wrong. If the ringers no, say no, 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 no. okay, no. so we, we only count it when we're actually like accurate. Exactly. Okay, that's fair. I like that. Okay. All right, perfect. So Rangers, bunch of games. I'm excited. I'm really excited to watch the Edmonton and the Florida game in particular just because I haven't watched any of their games yet this season. So it'll be nice to see them actually live against the Rangers, see what all the hype is about besides what we know from all the highlights that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Vancouver, that's going to be a fun one. JT Miller, I expect him to have a good game you like he normally does. I might watch the Vancouver game tonight because I'm in a really weird position where a 10 p.m. Eastern game is only 2 a.m. for me. Because here in Europe, daylight savings ended last weekend. So I'm only four hours ahead of New York now. Weren't you? Weren't you four or were you five? No, it's five. In Vienna, it was six. In Dublin, it's five. Oh, my God. I forgot you were six ahead. That's crazy. But there is this one week at the end of the year, and I think two weeks at the start of the year, where the difference is only four hours now. So I might just watch it. The game starts at 2 a.m. I can go to bed at 4.30. My first meeting is at 9. Yeah, I might be able to pull that off. Okay. Well, I'll know if you're live tween or not. I'll be like, all right, Steven. Hopefully you're staying up for a good reason, but yeah. that's good. That, no, I, I, what, 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 hold on. There was a game where, uh, what was the game I stayed up for? And it was, it was, there a was time. a game that caught me off guard that you were live between. I, I didn't text you, but I was tempted. I'm like, like Steven, I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> Just knowing that you have to wake up at an early time. I think it was against the Calgary flames. I was, I was in the middle of the night. I was watching a game. and Oh, and yeah. Was, that was like the worst game to stay up for. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> why, why the fuck am I putting myself through this? <laughs> I should just go to bed. But, yeah. Life of a Rangers fan, I guess. Life of a diehard sports fan. Until they're, like, officially out, you're always getting reeled yeah. back in. Oh, so speaking of life as a sports fan, both my teams won in Seattle last Sunday. The Seahawks and the Rangers played oh. in Seattle on Sunday, and they both won. So that was a good Very moment. nice. Who'd, who'd the Seahawks play again? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So oh, it's yeah, not, there a you win, go. not a win to be super excited about, but it's a win nonetheless. And yeah, I, I was I was satisfied from all my teams up until uh, the rain was it? no, not the Rangers last game. Um, like over the weekend, the Rangers won on Friday, was it Saturday? Uh, Steelers won on Sunday. A little bit almost of an upset against the Browns. I was happy about that as a Steelers fan. The Knicks won as well uh, until last night um, at the time of recording this. So all my teams won. I was happy. And then I, I posted a pick of Homer Simpson, uh, you know, sleeping happily as like that's what my weekend looked like for sure. And Steven, you have frozen. I'm hoping that you're still with us. Oh, you are. You are here. Okay. You froze for a second, but you're yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. My, my okay. connection dropped. Um, that, that's that's a that's a good time to wrap things up anyway so any final uh thoughts or comments before we get out of here um, we just signed a norris trophy winner for 9.5 million a year to steal he's only 23 dude you can maybe get him on an entire new contract after that it's insane i know right it's unbelievable uh it's amazing by the way uh, regarding the western canada trip um 
in the salary cap era, the Rangers have completed this Western Canada road trip 10 times. Uh, most recently, 2018, 2019, and 2019, 2020, uh, they were 0-2-1. The two seasons prior, they were 3-0. I remember um, that. That I remember that series. And I think 2014, 2015, the Rangers were the only team in the league to sweep both the California trip and the Western Canada trip. Mm. 2014-2015. That was so, the that was the president's trophy year where Nash scored 42 goals. But we we fell short to Tampa, right? I don't want to talk about the playoffs. I'm talking about regular season. Regular season is <laughs> no, I'm just making I'm, I'm just making sure that you know yeah, yeah. sticking back in. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the year of Yandel, McDonough, and Girardi having like broken ankles and and Zuccarello getting hit in, the, hit in the head with the puck and uh, it wasn't was, Dan Boyle part of this? Yeah, what? Dan Boyle. Dan Boyle was actually pretty good his first season as a Ranger. Um, first, and then it you know kind of washed away quickly. L- listen, I will always appreciate Dan Boyle for that locker room interview at the end of his career <laughs> with, with Brooks. Right? I will never say a bad word about Dan Boyle. He's a hero. <laughs> that, locker interview, that locker room interview is better than the one Sean Avery did in Dallas. Yeah. Where he referred to his ex as sloppy seconds. Yeah, for Dion Phaneuf. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that's that's a good way to wrap things up, folks. So, again, thank you so much for watching and listening wherever you get your podcast for Rangers Review. Hope you guys enjoyed episode 37. Uh, Steven, any Rangers of 37 we could think of? Want to make sure we said that before we get out of here. Is there anyone? There's got to be someone. Yeah, let me look. Like, I'm, I'm just going to look it up. I'm pretty okay. sure there's. I'm pretty sure that's an obvious one that I that that that, that I could be mentioning, but uh, there we go. I love hockey reference as a website, by the way. I know you gassed it up every single recording. <laughs> uh, Connor Allen. Not um, not ringing a bell. I'm, I'm I'm not going to mention them all, but Paul Broden, Norm MacGyver, George McPhee. Okay. Is there um, any one of the past two decades? Uh, Connor Allen, oh, okay. 2014-15. Um, but my favorite and and is Derek Armstrong, and I'll tell you why. Derek Armstrong played for the Rangers, and he had four different jersey numbers. He had number seventeen, <laughs> number eighteen, number twenty-one, and number thirty-seven. Feeling indecisive, are we? But he only played seven games as a Ranger. What? <laughs> was this all in one tenure? No, it was in three seasons. No, no, no. I mean, like, what was it only one tenure with the Rangers? It was one tenure across three seasons. That makes yes. no, oh my god, why? That's so stupid. <laughs> Without me knowing the actual context of this, because there's probably inner meaning that's going to make me look yeah. stupid. But normally, but, it makes sense if a player comes back and say their numbers are already taken. They're like, oh, okay, I'll go with something else. No, he goes with four numbers in seven games. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder you only played seven games. If you can't figure out your jersey number, clearly can't figure out your play. <laughs> his 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 stat line as a Ranger, uh, he had a pretty good career later on as an LA King, but his stat line as a Ranger, seven games, zero <laughs> goals, zero assists, uh, plus minus of zero, no penalty minutes, eight shots on goal. He should have been number eight. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, now Derek Armstrong is, uh, when, when it comes to jersey numbers, he's, He's a name that I'll never forget because four jersey numbers as a Ranger is the record. There are a couple of players that have had three numbers. Uh, Jesper Fast, most recently, of course. Yeah. 
Um, and also uh, the most successful waiver pickup in Rangers history, Eric Christensen. Mm. He played with number 19, number 26, and number 40. Okay. He's actually, I don't know if you knew this, but he's uh, he's the cousin of Hayden Christensen, who plays Anakin Skywalker. I knew you were gonna I knew you were gonna mention that. Yes, <laughs> yes, he is. All right, we're oh, right. Hayden's cousin was a ranger. Yes, it's a big deal. All right, Star Wars fans, if you know, you know. But that's 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 gonna do it, folks. Thank you all so much for watching Rangers of Real. We will be back sometime next week. Um, probably maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. You'll find out soon enough, no less. But have a great rest of your day. Let's go Rangers. Hopefully they secure a W in Vancouver and get a good away trip going. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.